hey, uh, let's turn our attention here to uh, our time around God's word. And today we start a, a brand new sermon series. Uh, I can say as a pastor, starting a new sermon series is always about having to get your feet wet and prime the pump. Uh, that's for me as well as for you. So today we begin a new series and it really fits with our year. 2022 is a year of preparation for us as a ministry. A few Sundays ago, I noted about how kind of the, the process or the protocol for a person who's going to be taking on an expedition up to the summit of Mount Everest, that uh, uh, they have a plan for the 12 months before they ever put their foot on the mountain. They, they have this unlike year of preparation, all moving towards the accomplishment of that endeavor. And in so many ways for us, as we've been talking over the last month, and as we see Mount Forward ahead for us and the things that, uh, by God's grace, that, that we want to pursue after, uh, this is an unlike year for like that. It's a preparation year for us. And normally, uh, I'm the guy who's kind of preaching 85% of the time through books of the Bible and walking through them. This is an unlike year. I won't be doing that this year because of the uniqueness of this year and preparing ourselves. Oh, we're going to be in God's word. Trust me on that. But we're going to be kind of doing it away in a specific way of preparing us for what's ahead. Now, we usually don't start the year out here talking about our mission and values and core vision and, and so on and so forth. But this year is an unlike year, and we decided to do that. Uh, normally, sermon series, even within the year, aren't necessarily all connected together or have kind of like a building off one another. This is an unlike year, so actually the three core sermon series for this year, the one we just finished, uh, they are moving and f moving and growing into each other. Last month was about being, gearing up as an aligned people for what's ahead. Starting today and for the next five months, it's about gearing up as an equipped people for what God has ahead. And in fact, I want to review through what we talked about last month with our, our, our core mission, values, vision, and, and outcomes. Uh, let me see if you can remember those. Um, our, our core mission. Uh, can you, from memory, uh, tell me what our core mission is here as a church? Go ahead, go. Awesome. And, and uh, in that, we had four core values. Uh, can you tell me what those are from memory? Oh. You guys are awesome. Man, that's great teaching. When people... <laughs> okay. Uh, vision for the next nine years. Uh, like what's, what's the thing, kind of the statement that is, is we're working and growing on as a church family uh, go? Preach it. And then if you step back, the horizon is, the horizon is, is our mission statement. The, the manner in which we're moving is, is our, our core values. The next mountain that we're seeking to uh, uh, go over is our core, uh, a mission, our core vision. And then if we step back and take a look at all of that, 
What are we wanting to have happen? What's our, what's our core outcome out of that in us? What are those three things? Spot on. You guys rock. Hey, I've been praying over this last month that those things that we covered this last month, that those would not be just viewed as like some organizational blah, blah, blah. I mean that. Um... I used to have a business years, years ago with my brother and we used to have these kinds of things with our people. And, and the truth of the matter is, is oftentimes it was just organizational, blah, blah, blah. They were good intentions, but I'm not sure they were really ever pursued after in an in-depth way as I look back. We don't want that to be the case. These aren't organizational, blah, blah, blah. These really are about now here, fresh words with fresh clarity to tell the fresh story of what's ahead for us as a church and where we're aimed. And if we're gonna do that, we need to be a people that is growing in a passionate pursuit of a radiant God. We need to be that. If we're going to seek to help people establish core values and, and live in a way that we're seeking to live, we must be a people that are intensely vertical and foundationally scriptural and genuinely authentic and deeply relational. Uh, we're not those yet. Don't, don't, don't take it that we're stating those and therefore we are those. We're pursuing more of that, deeper in that together. And here in these coming years, if we are to be a people that's seeking by God's grace to permeate the west side of Indianapolis with the hope of the gospel like we've never seen before, we have to be a people where the hope of the gospel is permeating us. Because we're going to see here in just a minute, it oozes out of us when that happens. And if we're going to want to see other people come to where they are living worshipers and ones who walk with Christ and serve Christ. We need to be that, right church? We need to be that. Well, last month was about gearing up as an aligned people, a series that we're entering now, that was forward. This one's growing forward, growing forward. We're going deep. This is about us as a people seeking to increasingly so be what we just talked about last month. The focus is on each of us and all of us growing forward. And this series, so you kind of have a sense of it, it's really three movements to it. There's a look back, a look forward, and then live new. We're going to take some Sundays to look back. Uh, starting next Sunday, it's an exegetical walk through Genesis 1, 2, and 3 and Psalm 139, and by the way, an add-in in there. I reserve the right to have side trail Sundays through this series. And so we're going to go back to that because if you don't know where we came from, if you don't know why we're here, if you don't know what happened and where brokenness came from and grab a hold of that, you won't understand why we grow and change. People sometimes are so frustrated that we can't change. And part of that, I am convinced, is because we've forgotten where we've come from and where we live and then we're going to take a look forward, because if we don't understand what's ahead, we're just living to die. 
And yet, in light of what's behind and what's in front of us, that has everything to do with now. Those two series, the, the part of the series, look back, look forward, that's going to take us right up to Palm Sunday. Palm Sunday and then Easter Sunday, we're going to be taking the cross to heart and we're going to take the resurrection to heart. By the way, in the whole process of this series of growing forward as individuals changing and growing in Christ, I'm telling you the cross and the resurrection are pinnacle moments in the whole of it all. So we're going to dive deep over those and walk back to the cross and the resurrection. And then following that, for the couple months through the end of June, we're, we're going to be taking that time then to get after what it is to grow and change in Christ. In light of looking back and looking forward, we're going to live new and we're going to talk about it as a people. So today my goal is literally just to prime the pump. So I want to start with uh, the first thing I want us to see. I want us to see three things this morning. And the first thing I want us to see is growing forward, seen in another. It's always helpful to see what we're talking about in another person. Uh, turn to Ezra chapter 7. Ezra. If you use one of the Bibles behind the seats there, it's, uh, uh, what page is it? I don't have it down. Let me see, what do I have it in? It's around 390. Okay, uh, it's right around that realm of it. Context of Ezra, particularly chapter 7. Um, Ezra 6, the second temple is built. It's rebuilt. At the end of chapter 6, the temple is dedicated in Jerusalem. The year is 515 B.C., Chapter 7, we go to chapter 7, and actually about some 60 years takes place between chapter 6 and chapter 7. That's like six decades of time takes place between chapter 6 and chapter 7. Um, in those 60 years of time from when the temple is rebuilt and dedicated, uh, the truth of the matter is, is God's leaders and God's people are becoming a train wreck. It's really just becoming a mess. But that's the situation that's going on. We step over into Babylon. Babylon is not Israel. It's not Jerusalem. Babylon is secular world. I am talking, you think we live in a secular culture. Boom, baby, Babylon was secular to the core. Ezra is born in Babylon. Ezra is raised in Babylon. Ezra is now a young adult in Babylon. He is raised in a kind of a culture that he gets what we have. He's, he comes from a priestly line, Ezra 7 tells us. That would have meant that had there been a Jewish temple, which there wasn't in Babylon, actually Ezra would have been serving as one of the priests out of the priestly line there. But there was no temple there, so he didn't have that. And yet we learn, chapter 7, verse 6, we learned that he is ascribed, and I love this. It says that he's skilled in the law of Moses, and at the end of that verse it says, and the hand of God was on him. Hey, hey, just a moment here. That statement, skilled in the law of Moses, that means that in a secular world where he didn't even have a temple place to go to, Ezra was a guy who was skilled in the Pentateuch. Just the Pentateuch. Oh, by the way, the Pentateuch has those exciting books called Numbers and Leviticus. And, and uh, friends, we have all of this. He had that. 
And he was skilled in that. Why? Because to get a doxology, we talked last Sunday worship, to get a right doxology of God, a right opinion of God, he got his opinion of God out of the Pentateuch. Dude, I love that. Oh, let me add this. When we come to meet Ezra and he heads over to Jerusalem here in chapter 7 in this time frame, he's somewhere in the range likely of 22 to 24 years old. A young man, a Gen Zer, who is skilled in the Pentateuch. Oh, more men like that. Right, Gen Z women? More men like that. More women like that. Oh, more millennials like that. Oh, more Gen Xers. Oh, more baby, right? He's 22 to 24 years old. And this dude is for the Lord. A passionate pursuit where the hope of the Pentateuch is permeating his life. Rock on, man. Rock on. Love, love, love that. And then we come to verse 10 of chapter 7. And Ezra, we learn about him, uh, summarize his life in a sentence. For Ezra had set his heart to study the law of the Lord and to do it and to teach his statutes and rules in Israel. Oh, friends, you got to see the order here. Quickly, we're just wetting the appetite today. Note, what about this 22 to 24-year-old? He had set his heart, New International Version, devoted, uh, New Living Testament, determined. It's like he was determined, he was devoted. He set his heart to study the Pentateuch. It wasn't, wasn't, uh, you know, chicken McNuggets walk through the Pentateuch. It was deep dive, full in, big stake, taking God's word in. And out of that grows his opinion of God, his worship of God. This is what we talked about last Sunday Devoted, determined, a passionate pursuit of the radiant God. Oh, by the way, living in a crazy secular culture. Might I even say without a church to go to. He started there. And then, and to do it. He set his heart to study the law. Grammatically, you could say he set his heart to study the Lord. And he set his heart to do it. He wasn't just a hearer only, he was a doer. His devotion to God, him being a deep dive in God, led to him being someone who had a deep abiding walk with God. The order matters. A high opinion of God draws us to want to abide with God. By the way, why did Adam and Eve sin? Answer, because their opinion of God in that moment dropped. And here we have this Gen Zer who's diving in deep with the Lord, not just to know things, but to change his life. A life dedicated to deep dives in God's word is the life that develops deep opinions of God. And the life of increasingly deep opinions of God becomes the life that is increasingly doing life with God. Do you see the order? 
If you're in Christianity circles today, we kind of have this mindset that is like the rest of our world. I want to change and grow in Christ. Can you give me the three, four, five, six steps? Um, kind of. But how about this? Step number one, dive into the Lord. No, don't, 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 come on. I just want to get it changed. No. Maybe the best place to start with your struggle with sin, with anger, with lust, with selfishness, with pride, is to start by being a man and a woman that is a deep dive into who God is in his word. Start there. No, I don't want to do Start there. Because it's out of that that it all comes about. Notice this. He set his heart to study the law of the Lord. He set his heart to do it. And then notice a third thing. And he set his heart, it can be said in the grammatically movement of the, to teach it. I say it this way, as I've talked to the last couple Sundays, deep roots grow out. Roots that just grow out and aren't deep, you will fall. Roots that just grow deep, by the way, can be pushed around, but I'm telling you, roots that go deep in the Lord, with the Lord, they just eventually, they just ooze out. You can't stop it. Don't miss the order here. He was a worse, I'll say it this way. Ezra was a WW man, WWW man. By the way, I'm not talking about he was a wrestling guy, and I'm not talking about he was a website development guy. I'm talking about he was a worship God, work with God, for God, and, and I'm sorry, worship God, walk with God, work for God. That's what he was. All built out of the Pentateuch. Rocket, dude. Love it. Ezra became a man pointing others to a passionate pursuit of the radiant God. Why? Because Ezra was living as a passionate pursuit of the radiant God. When it's in him and living in him, it oozes out. Ezra became a man that permeated Jerusalem with the hope of the Pentateuch by having the hope of the Pentateuch permeate his life. And it just oozed out. Wetting the appetite. I want to be like that. I want to be like that Gen Zer. I pray we do too seen in another. Let's next, let's kind of turn because it's like, Doug, that's awesome for him, but, but what about us? Okay, growing forward, seen in each of us. Let's go to the New Testament, turn to Colossians chapter 2, uh, page 924, in the book behind the, the Bible behind the seats there. Mine's 984, it's somewhere in the latter 900s probably for you. I turn here because Ezra's story that we just talked about is not to be an anomaly. It's not like Ezra got some extra juice. It's actually, Ezra's story is to be what our story is to be. And I say that because of the call that Paul gives us to the church in Colossae. Let's follow it. Verses 6 and 7. I actually referenced this passage the other Sunday. Therefore... As you receive Christ Jesus, or just as you receive Christ Jesus as the Lord, so do what? So walk in him. 
rooted and built up in him, established in the faith, just as you were taught, abounding in thanksgiving. Uh, Let's work through some of the words. It begins with therefore. Whenever you come across therefore, ask yourself, what's it there for? It begins a new paragraph. What preceded it? Verse five, Paul says, I, Paul, am absent. I am with you in spirit. Paul's not around, but he says this, as to the church in Colossae, I'm rejoicing to see your good order and the firmness of your faith in Christ. Therefore, he just gave his intention, his desire for these people. This is what I want of you. I want you to be firm together and united. I want you to be firm in a walk with Christ that is increasingly so. Therefore, let me give you an idea of how that happens. Therefore, just as you receive Christ Jesus as Lord. Okay, I'm going to throw in a little bit of Greek here not to be a geeky dude but uh, to bring you along. The word received is what's called an aorist active indicative. In the Greek language, an aorist means that it's an action that happened a time in the past. It's not an action that happened once in the past and then again and again and again and again. It's just an event that happened. Billy went out and threw the ball. Aorist active indicative. Received is an aorist active indicative. Know this, there is a time when a person receives Christ as their savior. By the way, it's not in a different form of a Greek verb, it's an aorist active. There was a time when it happened, it didn't happen and then happen again and happen again and happen again and happen again. No, 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 there was a time when it happened. Question, is there a time in your life where you've come and driven the stake in the ground and received Christ Jesus as Lord? Well, Doug, I just grew up going to church all my life, not what we're talking about, not what Paul is talking about. Well, Doug, I I, I believe that there's a God. I've kind of always believed it. Okay, that's awesome. That's the hearing part of it. But the question is, is there a time in your life where you, Eris Active Indicative it, it, it? I totally got lost on that one. The New Testament declares that again and again. It's not knowing about Christ. It's not knowing what Christ did. There comes a point in time. Let me ask guys who are married. If I were to ask you, when did you get married? You might panic for a moment trying to remember the date. But all of you would have an aorist active indicative answer. Now, because it was on that date that we stepped into a covenant relationship together. You see, before that, we weren't married. We were dating. We're not talking about living together. No, no, we're talking about a covenant time when you declared a covenant relationship and entered into marriage. If you were to say, you know what, we've just kind of, you know, I just kind of always grew up believing marriage and marriage. Not what we're talking about. And let me tell you, if you were like, okay, I might need to be reminded on the date, but I know there was a time. If you're fudging in that whole answer on it, you're like, I don't know if I ever really married her or not. Listen, you got an issue with her going on today. 
just as you received Christ Jesus as Lord. Watch this. Therefore, just as you received Christ Jesus as Lord, so in the same manner, walk with him. What, happened when a, what happens when a person receives Christ as their savior? They hear the gospel. God is at work in their life through the good news of Jesus Christ. He is impressing on them, realizing they're a sinner separated from God because of sin. They need a savior. They're, they're, they're gonna stand before God one day. See, we're already going back. We're already looking forward in that whole conversation. They're gonna stand before God, give an account. And the question is, is, is there a time where you have eris active indicative in it? And in this, what happened? You heard and you acted. In the same manner, walk in him. Friends, growing and changing in Christ is really quite simple because it's actually as simple as receiving Christ in concept. You hear about as we drill into who God is and what's going on, we, re- we realize more and more about ourselves and what we need to change and what we desire to change in our life for God's glory. And in that, as we hear that, we then, oh, like Ezra, set our heart to do it, to get after it. As you receive Christ Jesus as Lord, so in that same manner, walk in him. It's a pilgrimage with Christ. It's not an instant movement all the way to completion in Christ. You are redeemed in Christ. You are sanctified positionally for all eternity in Christ. But now it's time to begin living that out in a broken world. And as we hear and then do. Sermon on the Mount, Jesus teaches, Jesus teaches, Jesus teaches, Jesus teaches. He gets to the very last paragraph. And on that, by the way, it's interesting, no altar call. On that, at the end of the Sermon on the Mount, what does he do? He says, as you leave, there's a choice you have to make. And there are only two choices on the table. One choice is you can today receive and walk away and just go, I'm not interested. And you can do that. And when life hits, you will fall. And then he says, but those who hear and receive, who build their lives upon what they've just heard, when life troubles happen, when the storms hit, you will not fall. By the way, look at Colossians 2. Rooted, built up in him, established in the faith. Jesus was saying the exact same thing. Growing in Christ is a call to every person that is in Christ. We don't come to Christ to endure to the end. We come to Christ and then we are seeking to grow forward for God's glory. And I'll note, rooted, it's passive, it's a perfect passive participle. Oh, if I had the time. Perfect tense means there was a time when it happened, but it has ongoing ramifications. You were rooted. At the time where you received Christ, you were rooted. Here's the cool part. It's passive. You don't do the rooting action. God does it. The the passive is the action is done by an outside person, outside force. You have been rooted by God at the time of receiving Christ. And that rooting 
in your receiving, it is a partnership that goes on. Marriage, that covenant relationship has ongoing ramifications. The roots begin to grow. Rooted, built up and established. That's a present passive participle. This is the last one. Present passive participle. That means that at that time, you are presently, actively, continuously, ongoingly, there is a building up, there, there, there is a, a building up, establishing reality going on. But may I note, it's a passive, and all of this is on purpose, because the truth of the matter is, is even as we grow in Christ, we can't take the credit for it, because it's God doing the work in us. I'm telling you, it's gold. And for many of us, when we go into a section on now growing and changing in Christ, you're like, oh man, I gotta get to work. Like, I gotta buckle up. Like, <laughs> Calm down. Calm down. Step number one. Best thing you and I could be doing here in these coming weeks is face on the ground. God, would you do a work in me? God, I want to dive into you. Help me to will that. Help me to work that out. And we're going to get on what it looks like. But in that partnership with the Lord, growing and changing happens in each of us. Lastly, growing forward seen in all of us. I realize that in a series like this about growing and changing. Man, I'm throwing things all over. I'm so excited. In a series about growing and changing, just as I alluded to, there's often this sense in us that it's like, buckle up, man. There's also a sense that goes on in it where it's like, oh, I'm about to be discouraged for the next five months. Along with that, it could even be, oh, man, the next five months, Doug's just going to be like, Pulmorizing, going after us. Uh -uh. I don't want that to happen. This is not a mad about it series. This is a lean into the Lord series. Real quickly, I'm presently doing some history reading. I'm reading John Adams' book written by David McAuliffe right now and about two-thirds of the way through. The Declaration of Independence was signed in when? It says in there, it says, we hold these truths to be self-evident. By the way, all of this information that's about to be said is a looking back in the history of redemptive time. That all men are created equal that they are endowed by their creator with certain unalienable rights, that among these are life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. At that time, reading through all of this, the rest of the world thought this country was absolutely nuts. And the truth of the matter is, is America is fiercely independent. We are a fiercely independent people. We are founded on this idea. Uh, Listen, I don't have a problem with fiercely independent because actually I look at Ezra and I go, Ezra was fiercely independent with his growth and walk with the Lord. 
I even kind of look at Colossians 2, 6, and 7 and go, man, I'm telling you, there's a fiercely independent reality that goes on because that's each of us changing. And, and yet, fiercely independent turns into isolation and aloneness. Uh, note this. The Constitution was written 11 years later. 11 years after the Declaration of Independence is the Constitution written. By the way, they all thought it was all going to fall apart in between there. The Constitution is written, and it begins with, we the people of the United States, in order to form a more perfect union. i say it this way. Fierce independence... A declaration of independence without a reality of a fierce union, it's all going to fall apart. And they knew that. And both of those are working together. And growing and changing in Christ should have a fierce independent action in each of our lives. And yet, Hebrews 10, 24 and 25, I don't remember if I asked you to turn there or not. Hebrews 10, 24 and 25, gives us the sense that it's also to be done in a perfect union. Fiercely independent in a perfect union. Let me get, begin verse 21, chapter 10. And since we have a great priest over the house of God, let us draw near with a true heart and full assurance of faith, with our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water, redeemed. Verse 23, let us hold fast to the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who promised is faithful. Verse 24, and let us consider how to stir one another up to love and good deeds, not neglecting the meeting of together, uh, as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day draw near. Notice this, it's considering, it's purpose effort. How can I uh, encourage by the way, it's not, uh, and let us consider how to stir one another up into anger, stir one another up into dissension, stir another up into being mad. Hey, have you noticed that our world's kind of angry and mad right now? This is a text, I would say, even for Ezra living in a secular dark place. This is the kind of a text that points us, listen, us growing and changing in Christ, friends, we're doing it together. I'm broken you're broken, let's be genuinely authentic, and let's grow together. Together. And that even includes coming to church, giving thought, how can today I encourage someone? Not waiting to be encouraged, which is awesome, who doesn't love to be cheered on? I'm telling you, guys love cheerleaders. And I mean that in the right kind of way. Because we love to be cheered on. And that's what's happening here. That we would be the kind of a people that we want to grow. If we're going to permeate the west side of Indianapolis with the hope of the gospel, we need to be a people permeated with the hope of the gospel. And we need to encourage one another in that. I cheer you on. I'm for you. I'm for us. This is not going to be a series where it's like, you stink. Get your act together. Pick it up because I'm mad. Out with that. I want to cheer you on, baby. I want us to go, man, tighter to the Lord, into the Lord together. I'm broken. You're broken. Let's get at it together. 
That's a growing forward mindset. That's what I want this series to be. We live in a mad world. It's highly critical. It's highly disunified. Being genuinely authentic with you, it's all wearing me out. And I'm sure it is you too. And I'm struggling in it. Because some days I just want to pack it up and move to Montana and be isolated. But I need you. And we need each other. And when the world is dark, that's the time when the light is the brightest. Playing sports in high school and college, some teams had what I would call a culture of criticism. As an athlete in those days, I greatly struggled on those teams. Greatly struggled. Listen, understand, it's not about you can't give critique and input for what to do better. You want to know what to do better. And you want to change and get better. But when it's in a culture of critique and critical, I'm just telling you straight up, I never thrived there. My abilities never did nearly as well as an encouraging environment. I go back to junior high with I don't know why that just hit. Coach Book, basketball. Man, what an encourager. I was a lanky, dorky junior hire. Never made fun. Encouraged. Coach Kedzer. High school football. What a culture of encouragement you wanted to put out for the team. Coach Metama in college. Man. The primary ground was motivating through encouragement. I desired that for this series. I want to be the coach that cheers us on to growing and changing in Christ, which oftentimes for many people is the most discouraging thing that's going on in your life. Worship team, if you'd come. Next Sunday, we begin five Sundays, look back an exegetical walk through Genesis 1, 2, and 3 in Psalm 139. And I'm tossing in there why I'm a seven-day creationist. Then three Sundays, that'll be interesting. Then three Sundays to look ahead. Revelation 19 to 22 and Ecclesiastes 3. By the way, Ecclesiastes 3, 
you, you do understand that we aren't in heaven and we don't live for eternity here. Ecclesiastes 3 verse 1, there is a time for death. We're going to talk about it. And then after that, we're going to be diving in for after uh, the cross and the resurrection, we're going to be diving into growing and changing in Christ. Let's uh, uh, pray in song. Would you stand?